Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. Uh, today, I'm thrilled because we're actually going to be covering one of these topics in the managed technology world, which is really starting to pick up steam. And I'm fortunate enough to have two people, uh, experts in the field, which are going to kind of walk us through us. And the topic today is going to be about co-managed offerings. So first of all, uh, Bob and uh, Brian, thank you very much for being on the program today. Bob Coppage, CEO of Simplex IT, uh, Karachi Old Geek. I've also written a couple books, including some stuff on co-managed IT services. Uh, and I'm a condescending, annoying, arrogant person, but I take it as well as I dish it out. Brian Weiss, CEO of iTech Solutions. We're out of San Luis Obispo, California. Been around since 2005 and uh, most recently have taken a charge in trying to provide a leadership role around security in our industry. Uh, Bob, because you did write the book on it, maybe I'll get you to introduce it, but what is it anyway? What's the basic definition of, of co-managed? Here's the fun part. There is no definition, <laughs> okay, from, from an industry standpoint. And you're gonna see a lot of people who will talk about it, but then have no real underlying, here's the nuts and bolts of what we mean. It's kind of like the, for the first couple of years when we started using the term cloud, we threw it around all over the place, uh, all of that, but we really never got down and said, well, what does it actually mean anyway? To me, it is simply, uh, it, we're talking strictly from, from that managed service or managed print provider or whatever, it is that offering of a recurring service to a client that partners with the internal IT department in some way, doesn't replace them. Beyond that, it can be anything you want it to be. But there's a lot of people who, who have, who are coming at it from a larger, larger scale, who are basically, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw Brian in this category, because I think Brian, your, most of your stuff is on that, those, those medium to larger organizations. Uh, and that's absolutely fine, that's absolutely wonderful, but it actually, it actually scales in some ways better, at least the model that I propose, uh, down to the smaller organization. Well, that's great. So it actually, uh, the customer base that providers are used to selling to, that's still a target for them. In my opinion, depending upon, and there's some categories here, uh, but if you're, and I'm gonna speak more from the MSP standpoint, the managed print could be, could be different, uh, but whatever your target is, double it for a co-managed. That, that should be a comfortable scaling in terms of when you're going outbound, in terms of your outbound marketing and your target goals, uh, target organizations alike. And, and Brian, from your perspective, you know, Bob did say that you're working with some of these larger clients. How do you see the, you know, the definition, definition at least for iTech? So I think, you know, Bob's spoken to this quite a bit. You know, we, before we even knew what co-managed was, we already had clients that we were doing co-management with. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think for us, just because we had a, a security incident in 2018 that was very eye-opening for us that kicked us in the gear to want to be kind of a security-first MSP, I, I was finding it challenging to then sell that security to my existing client base. You know, you have to build the education and the value, hopefully not through fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but sometimes you have to go there. Yeah. And um, they just don't have the budgets or the understanding. Maybe they've got a, a smaller business mentality of, hey, I've been doing it this way for 10 years. Why can't I continue doing it that way? And so what I realized is my larger clients, which turned out to be co-managed, were a lot more 
easier to send down that path of understanding the value of security. And, the, and, and when I realized that, I said, okay, maybe that's my path I need to go, right? Larger clients. But then I had concerns about, well, how do I scale, right? If I take on a large client that's mm -hmm. going to eat up a lot of resources, I got to have to now hire internally. And that's a challenge in itself, growing an MSP, hiring new technicians. There's a company culture, there's training, there's there's hoping that they're going to have that great end user experience. Um, and so what I liked about the co-managed is it allows us to take on larger clients without having to upscale our internal resources because we can make use of existing resources they have in play. And another um, thing that we, we had to get big on too, because security is convenience versus security, right, is the end user experience. <clears throat> we don't want to implement a bunch of security and make the end users hate us now. <laughs> so we, we're, we, we have to kind of dance around the idea of how can we make this as easy as possible for the client while still increasing their level of security. And, and in a lot of that end user client experience discussions also came about the fact that internal IT providing especially kind of frontline desktop support, which is typically what we provide or, or prefer, I should say, um, but we can work with any type of internal IT. They're going to those end users are going to have a better client experience because they're working with someone that's an employee of the company that's ingrained in their culture. So their first touch when they have an IT issue is talking to someone that's part of their same culture that they know that they see every day. So versus maybe calling our help desk and, and not that they get a random person every time, but there is a, a separation there of feeling like you're on the team, right? And that's our job as MSPs to try to make them feel like they partner. So the overarching idea was easier to sell security, easier to scale. And I think they're just more educated when it comes to understanding they need to budget for IT and that IT is not really an expense, it's an investment. So those conversations you have with clients completely change you start talking less about price and more about value, which is another area we wanted to go towards. Are there any services that uh, lean themselves more naturally towards a co-managed offering? I was gonna say, if you think kind of high level, a lot of it's around data governance, right? Not letting your data get leaked out. And, and, and so I find that larger companies tend to be more concerned about that. And I think that's a big part of, of where security is going, especially with this zero trust model and having zero knowledge type services where you're able to ensure that your data can't leak. There's basically four types of monthly agreements that okay. MSPs have with clients, all right? And the first one is a subscription. And a subscription is pretty much just that. You're paying a monthly fee for Microsoft 365, for Azure, for AWS, and you're pretty much getting a commodity. Pretty easy to get, pretty easy to lose. You're, you're, you're for all purposes doing a commodity. You're not really doing much, to Brian's point, you're not really adding much value. The second is what I call silo. And a silo is where you're providing one specific sliver, one specific, what's the word I'm looking for? Silo of <laughs> IT service that can, it integrate, it works with the internal IT, but in a very, in a very divided stance. And security is one of those ones that can do it. Uh, another is BI or data management or cloud management. Help desk could work, all of those kind of things. And that's something that you're definitely adding more value and it's your value that you're 
adding. And it really takes care of situations where the internal IT folks don't have specific skills uh, or the training or, or interest. Um, but it's also very easy to kind of plop in there and, and to remove. The third, which is the one that I love, is what I call commits, uh, which is our, our short term for, for co-manage. That's where we actually take all the stamps that we do uh, and we, we empower the internal IT people with them. So we give them our PSA, our RMM, our tools, whatever. Oh, wow. And we basically, it's kind of like, you know, we, we provide them with the Iron Man suit. We give them the ability to really soup up and really add value because Brian's absolutely right. They're going to know the end users much better than we do. And we can then take that and actually split that so that we actually take responsibility for the servers, for the infrastructure. They take responsibility for the desktops, the end users. There's other ways to divide it, but this is very integrated. They, for all purposes, are an extension of our technical staff, and we, for all purposes, are, are an extension of their technical staff. So, so it sounds very, very sticky. It, it's, oh, it's incredibly sticky when it works right, and it's incredibly sticky and messy when it doesn't. So it, it has to be done right. And then the fourth model is what we have been doing for years, and that's just the pure MSP. The reason I like this, this layout is because all of these, to again, piggybacking on, on something Brian was saying, all of these are about adding value to the client. It's just, and, and all of these are, are different ways for us to basically say, we can have a role here that actually adds the value or empowers your people to add even more value without coming in and, because and, I hate FUD. I hate fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It, it, it's great. It's, it's, late, it's lazy marketing and it's lazy sales. Uh, and, and it is not something that builds a long-term relationship. And absolutely, there's sometimes where it's appropriate because sometimes you should be scared. You should be uncertain what you've got. And you should doubt your provider, but you don't lead with that. Right. Uh, so I, I think within these four categories, these are always, and, and one last piggyback on Brian, in case your back's getting hurt from all the piggybacking. <laughs> um, I've spoken about commits to just about every conference and online and, and to strangers on the street and all. And about two thirds of MSPs, I think, have a commits client already. And often they never knew it. They all never, right. or they never knew there was a title. And often it is they stumbled onto it because the client asked them for this. They didn't actually have an offering that they could go out and, and market for that. And that's one of the biggest, that in itself is, that's the biggest change that's happening with co-managed is we're turning into an active marketing opportunity. And Brian, for yourself, when, like, did you have one of those customers where you kind of stumbled into this and then, you know, all of a sudden the light went off or did you just read Bob's book and, and start from scratch? Um, I know we definitely had, uh, I think at least two or three before I stumbled upon Bob's book, but the one that's been the, the best learning experience or, or challenge, if you want to put it that way, I always look at challenges as opportunities, is one that actually started out as full MSP, but went through huge growth and acquisition mode and literally came to me and said, hey, I feel like we're outgrowing you. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, rather than have them try to find a larger MSP, I propose the idea of, well, if you're growing this large, why don't we do some sort of, you know, I, I didn't call it co-managed at that time, but it was, you know, let me help you hire internal resources 
to handle the things that maybe you feel we can't keep up with or that we don't have in-house skill sets to, to deliver. And, and, and let us help guide you through this growth, right? So we, the, the conversation turned into like, hey, can we come along and grow with you? We can be flexible. Yeah. And, and, and so that's worked out really well. And, and, you know, there's different challenges when you go from MSP to, to co-manage versus jumping right into co-manage. But, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, when I look at the big picture, I just, I feel like I can scale faster and have clients that are easier to work with if it's done right, right? To Bob's point, if co-manage is done right, than the traditional way that I was trying to grow before. Um, and the other thing too is when we had our security incident, overnight, I immediately looked at all of our clients um, in, a, in a couple different ways. Number one, I said, we have this great recurring income. Why aren't we focusing on securing that versus constantly trying to get new income, right? So my, my, my growth plan kind of changed and we actually stopped taking on new clients for two years because of that. And then the other one I looked at is my clients are technically a shared risk to us, mm -hmm. right? We, we got our house in order. We're, we're rock solid, but that doesn't mean that one of our clients who doesn't have their house in order couldn't have that security incident one day that brings us to a screeching halt to have to focus 100% on it and, mm -hmm. and potentially damages that relationship, right? So when I, so I, I and then there's administrative overhead. So I'm, I'm thinking less clients, uh, same amount of income or more, right? Less shared risk, less administrative overhead, more stickiness with the idea that we're really partnering with them through their growth process and, and, and are able to be flexible to really, you know, I, 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 Bob may have said this in one of his books, but I love the way this is framed. You know, ultimately what we want to do is find out what is the internal IT like doing and yeah. what are they skilled at? And let's figure out how to free up their time so they can spend more time on that and then take whatever else off their shoulders so that they don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, and yeah, so, and I, and that I resonates that, with me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna extend that a little bit. Whether you, you talk about it from a standpoint of what are they like doing, but also what are they most valuable doing? Sure, right. If, if you've got a client where their IT people are also involved to a certain degree in terms of creating the value for their clients mm -hmm. uh, or empowering or whatever, because, and, and here's one of the nuances here is we have to make a certain assumption of the quality of the internal IT people and the quality of the MSP equally. Because if either of these parties are doofuses, we're in trouble. Because one can't mask that for the other. So we can't be the crutch that comes in to support inco incompetent IT. Mm. And we also can't be dependent upon them as our crutch because we're not good at delivering on what we do. But if both parties are engaged and partnering together and you and both parties basically say, we want the most value to our essentially client uh, because internal IT, I'm sorry, you're a consultant. Right. <laughs> you just don't know it. Uh, but if we both engage, we basically can do, what do you do best? What do you do best? And how do we optimize that for the client? And, it, and it's a win-win situation. As long as that organization, and this is where Brian's correct as far as some of the scaling goes, as long as the organization 
understands the value that IT brings. For people that are providing managed technology services, what's the value for them? And Brian, I think you hit on it a little bit, which is that you're going after fewer customers, right? But you know, what's that additional value for their, you know, for their growth? You know, for me, if you're looking at the brass tacks of the situation is less customers, less administrative overhead, and in a co-managed role, you can take on larger customers without having to hire as many internal resources to keep up with their needs. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, if I, if you had to look at it in a selfish way of how does this even, how does this help me regardless of the client, right? Um, that's, you know, and also the stickiness is a, is a big factor, right? It's going to be a more sticky client. Um, I think one thing that I've noticed too that I don't know that we touched on yet is that even maybe getting into the smaller organizations, like Bob said, this works well too with, we have one right now that we're in talks with who says, you know, I'm going to hire an internal IT person. So I don't know how much I'm going to need you, but I want you for these initial projects. And, and anytime I hear that, you know, I immediately say, well, we typically don't do one-off projects, but let's talk about how this could be potentially an ongoing relationship where we could be as hands-off or hands-on as you need. But um, so we started talking about what does he expect this IT person to be doing? And it turns out this guy had way too many roles in the company that he was going to be responsible for. He, he was going to be part of the business intelligence, dealing with a database program, as well as desktop support, as well as server support, you know, network infrastructure. And, and I said, you know, if you do that, he's not going to do any one of those things well. And, or the thing that he likes doing the most, he'll focus the most attention on, and then the other things will, will go untouched, right? And, and start, you, you'll see a quality issue. So just in that education piece, he realized, oh, wow, you're right. And, and to Bob's point, it was like, how, what is he most valuable for you? Is he most valuable doing the desktop and server and network support? Or is he more valuable in this business intelligence role, right? And it turns out that was the role. And then we got into talking about, okay, well, when you hire a person, you're not going to find someone who's skilled in all of these areas you're expecting them to do, right? So if the most valuable thing is business intelligence, focus hiring someone that knows that well, right? So that you can get the most value out of the employee. So th there's kind of, you know, maybe that's works well in small organizations too, one of the reasons, you know, but. Um, well, it sounds like the gift of time, right? Because you know, I know as well, um, I spent a lot of years doing site assessments, uh, both for, you know, technology um, and business processes, right? And whenever I worked with uh, IT departments, the one thing they didn't have was an excess of time. There was nobody saying, you know, please give me more things to do because I'm bored, right? So, you know, that gift of time. <laughs> Bob, do you have something to add there? Yeah, so let, let's take a look at that. And first of all, I think, and I actually heard this in a talk back in the early 80s, because again, I'm old. <laughs> uh, but that we have always, we've always been raised on that concept of time is money, time is money, time is money. It is actually, it's not the way it works anymore. It's money is time. Oh, time sure. is the valuable constraint on just about everything we do through life. And that's going to become more and more so. So it's worth the investment of money to actually save time and become more efficient and more effective. And organizations, I think today are, are running on that, even though they don't know it. Uh, so I think that that's critical. The other thing I would say is that the model that we're using, and, and we're actually finishing up some assessment tools 
uh, developing some assessment tools in ours. If you think about a traditional IT mo IT uh, department model, you have the CE, excuse me, the CIO, level three, level two, level one. Now, in smaller organizations, they may be what we call top heavy, meaning they've got some senior people, but they really don't have the desktops or level one. Other cases, they may be bottom heavy, meaning they don't have the senior people, uh, or they could be thin. They've got all roles, but they don't have the time or the resources to do things. And you can kind of identify that through an assessment, not of necessarily the network, but of what their jobs are, what they're doing, and how they're doing it, and not in an adversarial way. This is not something... Right. You're doing your job lousy. We're just, are you, do you have the right skills? And then you can also say basically, and do we have any kind of outlying skills? Do we, in addition to this traditional stack, do we also need a BI person? Do we also need somebody to handle the cybersecurity? Do we handle whatever? And by using that model, we're going to be able to say, this is what's missing. And if we sit back and we go either, you know, you're thin, meaning you've got everybody, you just don't have the, you just don't have the time. Well, instead of hiring someone, let's give you, again, we call the stamps, let's give you the tools. So we're going to expand the functionality of your people, but without having to hire somebody. And if you're top heavy or bottom heavy, then we can basically create that relationship so that we're responsible for the top or the bottom stuff that you're weak on. Mm -hmm. But again, give you the same stamps and tools so that you're able to make the other side that much more effective. And by using that kind of mentality, this works, especially we found a number of organizations that have one IT person. Right. One IT person is supposed to do everything. And they're really, you know, a level one plus, maybe a level two. Yeah. <laughs> so they're completely dependent upon what we call seagulls. You know, those are the vendors who come in out of nowhere, squawk, drop a lot of crap and, and fly away. Um, and so they're really, they're nothing. And, and management keeps them in the corner, feeds them once in a while, and that's about it. Or they have that IT superstar who is trying to do everything but can't, hasn't been able to document anything. Everything is put together with stone knives and bear skins and sealing wax, uh, all of that kind of fun. And God knows if they get hit by a bus, we're doomed. All of that. And even if you start adding two or three people into the departments, these smaller organizations, often fit into one of these kind of situations. And for you to be able to come in and say, well, let's not throw an additional person at it, because like Brian said, we don't have all the skill sets in one body. No, instead, and let's not replace them because this is a good employee. They're bringing value. They know who's responsible for what process, when, where, all that. No, let's partner, bring our stuff in and really create a great opportunity here for us to cause IT to really excel for that organization. And the metaphor I use is is a ham and eggs breakfast uh, and the pig pig versus the chicken. You know, there's involvement and there's commitment. When it comes to a ham and egg breakfast, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Right. <laughs> and when you're talking creating co-managed relationships, the internal IT people are pigs. <laughs> From the standpoint of they're committed, they're they're in it to stay, they're in it to win it, whatever you want to call it. And so, and, and Brian's real good at this. He's going to create that relationship so that their lives are better. They have the time. They know someone's covering them on these particular areas. They've got someone they can talk to that isn't necessarily just going to try to sell them the next thing, regardless of what their question is. Right.
you know, and that's where we are able to really build in that stickiness and create that relationship because that person is like, I can take vacation now. I, I think another thing to understand is there is technically a third party involved, which is like management or administration, right? And, and they tend to be more results driven. And, and so it's important to make sure that your plan with them is more of a path of here. We're going to try to obtain measurable results and here's how we're going to do it. And, and, and that's really what they care about in the end. I feel like the IT department feels like they just don't want to be on an island by themselves, right? They're already so weighed down. They can't keep up with the newest, latest tools and automated ways to handle things. Or, you know, they've got to replace a server farm or a, a, a line of business software. They don't even have the time to understand which one might be great, good for the company. And so when you think about um, kind of even back to the question of why would an MSP even consider doing co-managed, we've got a lot of experience that internal IT doesn't have that they wish they had and wish they had time for, right? And so, I, and that that goes back to Bob's trust is, is building that trust that we're here to, to make you look like a superhero. That's all we care about. And in that process, we're gonna be able to provide measurable results for management to keep them happy, right? Um, so, you know, I think understanding there is a trifecta, but the most important thing is making sure that you develop trust with the IT department. Otherwise, you're, you're gonna be, that's an uphill battle, right? You can't really deliver measurable results to management if you can't even get on the same page with internal IT about things, right? We, we still wanna do that traditional, what's the lay of the land? What are the boxes they have? What are the licenses, the number of devices, of users, of this, that, or the, all of that sort of thing. But then we also wanna know what's the health of the internal IT people from a much softer standpoint. Are they trained? Are they, are they capable? Uh, do they have ticketing? Do they have best practices? Do they have all of the things that we basically say are, are, are what makes us special, us great performers, blah, blah, blah. But do they have those and not from a, therefore they're bad if they don't, but therefore they could be so much better right. if they did. And then the presentation becomes more, and, and so we usually do a, a, a preview of our assessment results with the internal IT people because we, we can't lie. You know, if you haven't had a good backup in three months, you haven't had a good backup in three months, <laughs> you know, we, we, we're going to say, we, we're not going to say like your quarterly backup is working fine, you know, uh, but we can talk with them, get some feedback on to, as to why that happened and how we could partner together to make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, we definitely tread lightly. You know, we don't want to come in and immediately point out all the red flags and say, this is why you need us, right? It's more of an understanding of how did we get to these red flags and trying to make sense of that so that we can put tools in place, processes, training to help prevent them in the future, right? Even if it's something they don't want us to manage or take over, they want to continue managing it internally. It's looking at the processes they have in, in place and helping automate and, and improve those so that they can have an overall uh, better infrastructure, you know, and, and um, posture. You know, I use the word security posture a lot as well. Um, 
Well, one thing that I don't know that we touched on yet that I think, you know, I keep thinking back because you had a great question. You know, I'm an MSP. Why get into co-manage? Right. One of the things it's done for us is it's actually helped us mature a lot more as a company as well, because uh-huh. you're, you're, you're seeing how larger companies operate. And I'm immediately trying, you know, like we're doing things like implementing EOS right now, you know, and, and these are all things that help us mature and it holds you accountable too. When you've got internal IT and your team both managing an infrastructure, you're essentially there to hold each other accountable, not to necessarily point fingers in, in that manner, but to be there to back each other up and help point out where things might be slipping through the cracks so you can prevent that moving forward. So a full MSP, there could be an MSP out there that says they're delivering XYZ and really they're only delivering X and the client doesn't know it, yep. right? And so. Um, I, I love the accountability factor and, and the, the level to which we're maturing as well as we take on more of these clients. And, and most people think about it in terms of what makes a good M, uh, a good COMITS client, but also what makes a good COMITS MSP. Uh, you have to, because you are going to be showing your dirty linen. Yeah. Or openly. Yeah. Regardless of the size, regardless of the client, whatever. So you got to be ready for that. The other thing is you have to be open to that. You also have their MSPs out there who uh, absolutely are crossing their T's and dotting their I's, but damn it, they're, they're T's and their I's and they're not going to share them with anyone. Well, it's not going to work well in a co-managed or COMITS world. But the big opportunity here when we talk about COMITS is not a lot of MSPs are doing it. Wow. And the MSPs that are doing it are usually doing it reactively. They're doing it because an existing client decided to bring on internal IT or uh, and a, uh, or, or a new client contacted them and just said, hey, we're interested, but we only want this, whatever. Very, very few uh, organizations are formally going after COMITS opportunities. And the ones that I'm aware of that have been doing it historically are pretty much in Brian's space. Wow. A larger organization. So this is, this is blue ocean. This is blue ocean time. So far less competitive. We, we had a situation where we had one uh, potential now, now client uh, who wanted to talk to us about the COMITs and it was delayed for two months because they couldn't find two other companies who had bid on it. I got to think that it's higher margin opportunities as well because you're delivering more value, right? And that, that's one of the things that I walk a lot of folks through when I'm actually helping uh, build business models is to get past this mythology of revenue, right? Really at the end of the day, it's about profit. And so how much of that do you actually get to keep? And so am I correct in thinking that, that in a co-managed environment, because you're delivering more value, that, that your margins are better than they would be on a traditional sort of MSP deal, or is that not correct? I think the, the elephant in the room is less clients means less administrative overhead. And that's really what kills a lot of MSPs, because mm. you know, I'm going through this in EOS right now, where tip, most typical MSPs don't track all of their time spent on a client account. They track their billable time. And then they think, oh, I'm profitable because, you know, I had X amount of billable hours and, and this amount of money's left over. But what about the client success manager? What about the, the person doing quotes? What about the person in your finance department dealing with the invoicing? All of that time costs you money that should be tracked and, and, and factored in. And so the, that's the easy one. The other one is that the projects tend to be um, larger with, with co-managed clients because you're you're helping them with more things than maybe a traditional full MSP might help with, right? A, a traditional full MSP I see 
having a service stack and that's what they deliver. And if they don't have an active VCIO engaging in projects, which are harder to, harder to win, right? When you don't have internal IT also saying, yes, we need that project. Um, you know, you're gonna have a struggle there as well, as far as the size of projects and amount of projects that you're actually winning. Well, that's great. And I think this has been extremely valuable uh, for all of our listeners and those that are, you know, watching us on uh, YouTube. And in respect of both of your time, uh, we're kind of at the point now in the interview where if you can boil this down, if you just had one piece of advice for people that may be thinking about uh, co-managed offerings, what would that be? Maybe uh, Bob will get you to start. I think the one thing is define it. You have to define and, and define it in a way that it integrates or replaces your current offering. Because if you, if you treat commits as a separate marketing strategy, sales strategy, assessment strategy, delivery strategy, stickiness strategy, all of that, you basically just started another company within your company that's competing against it. You don't have to. You can have uh, commits and co-managed IT services that is a simple extension of your pure MSP. And that's the strategy. If, if you're going to keep both, that's the strategy that you have to, that you have to do, however you do that. And uh, Brian, what about you? One piece of advice. I'm going to go right along with Bob because it, it really comes down to having repeatable processes and you don't want to start a whole new yes. avenue of services that you have to reinvent yourself with. And, you know, I would, I would chime in too. read this book here. It definitely opened my eyes to a lot. One of the things that I think is, is great when you talk about trying to not make a separate line of service or business is the fact that you quote it like a full MSP and then you can discount it based on maybe how many IT people they have on staff. Ah. And now you're actually assigning a value to those internal IT saying, hey, if they go away, your cost is going to go up. And then it also makes the IT people feel like, hey, they, they think I'm valuable. Like they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? You really want to keep it consistent with how you're currently delivering and just be able to carve out parts of it that maybe you aren't going to be supplying. Thank you guys so much for doing this interview today. And for all of our listeners and for those that are watching, uh, continue to be hungry, continue to keep learning, continue to keep uh, going further with your businesses uh, through sessions just like this. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.